Hey guys, no intro or outro this week. We want to keep this episode very raw and make sure that this message gets across without all of the frills. On May 2nd, 2021, we received the phone call that no one ever expects. Allie's 35-year-old cousin had taken his own life. I wonder what would happen if I ran this red light. Those are the words that were in my thoughts nearly nine years ago. I was by myself, my baby wasn't in the car, and it would look like an accident. I still remember the intersection. I remember thinking that everything and everyone would be better off if I wasn't here anymore. I was a burden. I wanted the pain I was feeling to end. Something divine must have stopped me, or I was just too chicken. Of course, you change when you become a mother. Physically, socially, mentally. The physical and social parts of me found a new normal after motherhood, but the mental part didn't. My husband and my parents noticed. Luckily, I noticed too. I reached out to a professional, and after a short and tearful phone conversation, she wanted to see me as soon as possible. I got the help I needed and continued to have the support around me to keep the darkness away. According to the National Institute of Mental Health, suicide is a major public health concern and it is among the leading causes of death in the U.S. 48,000 people died in 2018 due to suicide. On average, there are around 130 suicides per day or one every 11 minutes. It's the second leading cause of death ages 10 to 34 fourth leading cause of death ages 35 to 54. More than two and a half times as many suicides versus homicides in the U.S., 48,000 versus 18,000. There are 1.4 million attempts, or one for every 25 attempts. For the last 20 years, the suicide rate has increased 35%. The rate among males was four times higher than females for suicide. This has been consistent every year in the last 20 years. Male deaths represent 79% of all U.S. suicides. Firearms are the most common method among men. Women attempt suicide three times more and use poisoning as the top method. What happens when the darkness wins? You leave behind a lot of hurt a lot of questions, a lot of grief. After the initial shock wore off, grief started flooding in. The images of my family members learning of the news, dialogue in my head of how I was going to tell my brother, and fond, happy memories of my cousin. Grief is ugly and weird. It makes people argue irrationally. It makes people vain. It makes people feel all sorts of feelings in a split second of time. The days following, I found myself going through the stages of grief. Angry that my cousin had me traipsing around town trying to find my children nice black church clothes in the middle of spring. Crying in a McDonald's parking lot because I was finally hungry enough to choke down food. Sitting at his graveside with tears streaming down my face thinking about how he was my protector in high school, and I couldn't do the same for him. 
filled with guilt one evening, rocking Brayden to sleep because I had the family he so greatly wanted. We had no idea that he was hurting. If we did, we would have checked on him more. I mean, if you were dealt some of these cards that he was, I might expect it, but he always seemed to be doing so well. This is the suffering that kills people. The quiet, private suffering. When you have the thoughts like the ones Allie had at the intersection, you feel shame. Why the heck do you think like that? You have friends, family, a house, a good job, everything you need and most of what you want. Why are you complaining? So we took the thoughts and suffering away. I had a high school friend who was suffering and no one knew about it. One day he wasn't in the library at lunch our usual meeting spot. He wasn't popular. He was a bit of a nerd, and he had a rough home life. After a few days passed, we found out that he took off and took a gun to his own head. One of the best illustrations that I gained from my time in therapy is the chemical and scientific aspect of mental illness. In my example of postpartum, I was extremely sleep-deprived with our daughter in combination with stress and anxiety. It created a chemical imbalance in my brain that needed help getting straightened out. Medication, therapy, sleep, and of course good support from my husband and family all help keep things in balance. And I'll just add it wasn't a one-time thing. We still continue to monitor it and check up on it because it doesn't just go away in all cases. Depression is the leading cause of disability worldwide. About one in five adults suffer from a diagnosable mental illness disorder each year. 90% of those people who commit suicide have a mental disorder at the time. We don't know the struggle that someone else may be going through under the surface, so don't ever minimize someone else's pain. People that are isolated and have the feeling of hopelessness are at a higher risk. The Mayo Clinic lists symptoms of mental disorders and impacts that they have. Mental illness still has a stigma attached to it, but the perception of mental illness has vastly improved in the last few decades. There are many causes for mental illness, such as genetic, brain chemistry, and many more. The consequences are very real and damaging to those that don't even have it. The thing is, it won't ever be normal. The disease that is mental health is a constant battle, and that is also something I've had to come to terms with in recent years. Yes, I wish I could take a pill and make all the thoughts go away, but it's a combination of many things, and it's never the same concoction. I need sleep. I need exercise. I need sun. I need to sit in my basement. I need coffee. I need wine. I need a hug. I need to be alone. It has taken nearly 16 years of reflection and nine years of work to find most of the triggers for a swing. So what can people do? The American Foundation for Suicide Prevention surveys state that 93% of people believe that suicide is preventable. Professionals agree that treating mental disorders and assessing suicide risk 
are vital in preventing suicide deaths. Call 911 if you or someone is hurt or in an emergency situation. If you recognize warning signs of suicide in yourself or others, dial 911. Another number is 1-800-273-TALK in the U.S. Check into a psychiatric clinic or urgent care near you. Stay away from anything that might injure you. There is also psychotherapy, behavioral therapy, medication, and many combinations of each to help. There are federal resources, agencies, and many places of employment are recognizing that there is a need for mental health resources just the same as there are for physical health. Raise awareness, volunteer, donate, etc. We need to be talking about mental illness and not treating it as a weakness or something that people can overcome with sheer willpower. You can get good sleep, eat right, exercise, get sunlight daily, build a network of friends and people that you can connect with and share real issues, not just acquaintances. There are plenty of other online resources as well. I've found myself feeling another emotion intertwined with all the grief and sadness that continues to come and go. Gratefulness. My husband said something. My parents said something. I get to see my kids grow up because of that. Remember that this disease doesn't care where you came from, who you work for, or how much you make. It affects our partners, our children, our parents, our siblings, our family, our cousins. This episode is in loving memory of Brett Michael Smith.